right, so welcome to episode nine of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Dougherty. All right, here we go. So Hillary, tell me about your week. What's been going on? I went crazy on Old Navy yesterday. Oh, I saw that. I'm I really pissed. I saw that you were posting about yeah. that. Yeah, I ended up finding jeans there in the end, but it was not without tears in the dressing room. I know. It's so stupid, and I get yeah, it. It's like, frustrating. Get, it is, and I get this whole idea of like what this a, a beauty is, I suppose, like what a person's body is supposed to look like. But my mom was telling me she's small, tiny, and she was like, I can't even fit into those skinny, skinny jeans because right. they're someone has hips. You can't yeah. even fit into those jeans. Yeah. It's crazy. It's made for, you know, women with, the bodies of 12 year old boys yes yeah and even in the girls section it's skinny jeans for girls mm. and i'm this who can live up to this this yeah. thing of skinny jeans skinny yeah. I, i'm sorry no industry standard yes and every single section was skinny this skinny wide leg bottom skinny what yeah who's mm. who's doing this mm. i know i don't like it i know so that was my that was my 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 complaint of the week <gasps> Oh. And I have many, but that was the number one complaint. What about you? It's, I mean, it just, it's a shame that we are in uh, 2020 mm-hmm. and we are still fighting against uh, image, image standards that an industry puts out. Yes. You know, uh, it's it's horrible, really. Um, things for me, I had a, a little bit of a rough week. Um, uh, my son just wasn't feeling well. And one of the things that I, I kind of posted this week was just being so incredibly thankful for the support of women in my Aww. life. And just it's uh, just women are amazing. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what I would do without that kind of support. So that meant a lot to me. And it really made me thankful. How's he doing better? He's doing better. Good. Yes. Little by little. Girl. Yes. It all works out in the end, you know. Yes. He's got a good mother, so he'll be fine. Well. <laughs> well <laughs> so um i'm excited to hear your story Yay, as so usual good because i have well i have one correction last week um part of my story charles gateau i okay. said in there that um he wanted to get a consulship to france and yeah. for his job and i said that that he didn't even speak English, but I, what I meant to say is he didn't speak French. Oh, so that's a little correction yes. from last week. I hate when I the hear those culpa. things. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate when I hear the corrections. I'm like, oh, here we go. Now I've got to get on there next week. I know. I just, um, I don't, I pro- I think I just tuned myself out. And, yeah. um, I mean, we've talked about this before where it's just still weird for me to like listen to myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, feel free to send those corrections my way because I'm sure um, I'm rife with error. <laughs> Throughout this whole experience, I mean, I that haven't heard doing. anything yet. You're doing pretty good. So, okay, okay, so my story today is about United States Senator David Vitter from Louisiana. Oh, okay, this is still kind of fairly new. So, okay, but I remember this guy. Everything he did that was awful, it was like it never happened. You know, it was mm. like he got a. He just, it just kept going on and on and, and and nobody ever did anything about it nobody ever said anything he would just be like yeah yeah okay you just sorry brushed, oh and then you they know? just brushed it off yes oh is I know. he current no no not anymore okay okay so let's get started yeah. so the early life of david vitter david vitter is born and raised in new orleans louisiana after he graduated from de la salle high school which was a private high school in new orleans he received his Bachelor's of Arts from uh, Harvard in 1983 mm. and a second Bachelor's from Magdalen, um, Magdalen College in Oxford in 1985 as a Rhodes Scholar. So nice. he's pretty smart. Yeah. yeah. He then earned his law degree from Tulane University um, 
1988. So he started practicing law in New Orleans, and he was also an adjunct law professor at Tulane and Loyola University in New Orleans. His wife, Wendy, is a former prosecutor, and they have three daughters and one son. And this is the kind of thing, he was one of these politicians who would, um, all the campaign uh, commercials, ads, would have his kids running around, like, in the kitchen, like, vote for my dad, he's the best, you know, meanwhile, you know. Not so great. So, um, okay, so, but his wife, part of when, she, before she was a prosecutor, she was the a counsel for the uh, archdiocese in New Orleans oh. from 2012 to 2019. And in that posi- position, she participated in anti-abortion movements, anti-contraception mm. activism, including promoting un- unsubstantiated claims about health dangers linked to contraception. Oh, great. So... Okay. One of those women who, you know, really rallies for women. Yes, yes. Um, it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so his political career. So he started out in Louisiana House in 1992. He ran for uh, District 81, which represents the city of Metairie. Guess who was born in Metairie, Louisiana? Who? Girl, just the best, coolest, most beautiful angel <laughs> you have ever met before. Oh! Girl. So this is almost like a little hometown. Hometown baby. <laughs> born and raised until I was two. But I still was born in Metairie. Yes. Always. Okay. So we went to those New Orleans uh, parades with the bees. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, Mardi was so much fun. Yes. Yes. So um, he's my homeboy. So I was going to show you a picture of him, but it's on my phone that's doing the live feed. So you'll see the pictures oh. on our Instagram. Okay. <laughs> I can't but wait. Just picture average white dude okay okay so during his time in the house he was a self-appointed ethics cop oh great he's fun i love these he's fun guys. just as much as his wife so he was quick to reprimand fellow politicians for just a mere hint of questionable dealings he even filed two complaints with the louisiana ethics board against the louisiana governor at the time edwin uh, w edwards and in those complaints he questioned the financing of a trip edwards took to las vegas where he attended like a Evander Holyfield boxing match and he also questioned the involvement of Edward's children in riverboat casinos those are big down there and on the golf yes oh I'm so excited to see what what he got himself into so Vitter also but he'd also go after Republicans so you know it made him very unpopular around the Capitol right um because he's you know holier than everybody yeah, right yeah so then he ran as a u.s rep for the first district in louisiana for united states house of representatives in 1999 and he won in a runoff election against former governor david treen uh, 51 to 49 percent so Ooh, it was close, close yeah but he was easily elected in 2000 and then 2002 so in 2003 he Uh-oh. ran for governor of louisiana and so uh shortly after his announcement it came out um, that he was going to drop out of the race because he and his wife were dealing with marital problems. Uh-oh. But that announcement Uh-oh. was made right after the Louisiana Weekly reported on a claim that Vitter had an alleged relationship with a sex worker in New Orleans. Mm, yeah. Here we so go. So this comes out, he drops out of the race for governor, and then and then he keeps moving. He stays in the House of Representatives. It kind of blew over. He was like... You know, no, 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 that's not true. We're just having marital problems. I had to drop out. But nothing ever was brought up about this again. Well, because you dropped out of the campaign. They're going to focus on those other guys running. And it's not a story anymore. Right. So then in 2004, he decided to run for the United States Senate against Democrat John Bro, um, who was running as uh, for in Louisiana. Right. So during the campaign, Vitter was accused again of having a lengthy affair with a sex worker mm. in New Orleans. And Vitter responded this time. He said that the allegation was absolutely and completely untrue. So now he's actually saying that that didn't happen, right? Okay. 
Um, and deny, then I deny, deny. Yeah. So then, which is what he does. It's like, yeah, it's that's he's so slippery that way. You know what I mean? So then on November 2nd, 2004, Vitter won the jungle primary while the rest of the votes were split among the Democratic candidates. Have you ever heard of jungle primary? I have not. Oh man. So I had to look it up. So a jungle primary, usually you have all these Democrats running, all these Republicans running. Right. They get down to one in right. the primary and, and then those two go out. to the yeah. general. Well, this is every, it's a free for all. So there could be 10 Democrats and 10 Republicans and whatever the votes, whoever gets the most votes out of all those candidates wins. It's like they all go to the general together. You know what I mean? I kind of. Yeah. But he was the only Republican and the rest were all Democrats. So, of course, all those votes were split among the Democrats and he got all the Republican votes. So that's Mm. that's how he wins. And the last time he was, he was the first person since 1876, first Republican to be elected to the U.S. Senate from Louisiana. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So during his long stint in Congress, Vitter survived that scandal by fashioning himself as a conservative warrior, particularly against Barack Obama. Mm. That Barack got elected right after that. Um, some of the items he worked on in Congress. In two th- September 2007, Vitter earmarked $100,000 in federal money for a Christian group, the Louisiana Family Forum, <laughs> known for challenging evolution and pr- promoting intelligent design. How does that work with separation of church and state? Yeah, so here's what happened. So according to Vitter, the earmark was to develop a plan to promote better science education. Oh. But uh, there was a newspaper article that tied him personally to that group. Right. And so a month later, he... He got rid of. He he and said, "I'm not like, going to do it anymore." Uh, like those groups that have like Adam riding on the back of a dinosaur. Like <laughs> this is what you know to to get rid of like the, yes. the evidence of you yes. know, fossils and yes. science. Okay. Oh my god. I just want to make sure. <laughs> so he withdrew. Now let's put it. that in schools. That's, yeah, yeah. That's great, great idea. <laughs> so he withdrew that because obviously he was caught, right? Yeah. Um, some other things. He voted against the uh, increasing the CHIP program that provides health care to children from poor families. Mm. He voted against the automotive industry bailout after the 2008 bank oh. crash. Remember that? We yeah, talked no, about that. That was huge. Another yeah. episode. Um, Vitter became well, very well known for leading conservatives to vote against the Comprehensive Immigration Reform Act in 2007. So this this was a pretty big, this is when Republicans and Democrats actually came together to try to do immigration reform. Um, and this legislation would have granted a pathway to legal residence for 12 million undocumented wow. people in the United States. And he stood out because Republicans like the President George W. Bush and John McCain and Democrat Ked Ted Kennedy were all supporting the bill. They had worked on it together yeah. and, and it never went anywhere. So I could go on and on, but suffice it to say that he proposed numerous pieces of legislation regarding immigration. I mean, so many pieces about legislate about immigration. It was like he was obsessed with it. It was it was crazy how much he did. Right. Obsessed in in a way of Oh bad. Of, like yeah, ban- preventing you know, doing it, right. everything you can. And then, having and, a baby here that right. doesn't mean that you get to stay. Like it was just like very specific and, but like Louisiana's such a rich, diverse area. You know how this goes? I know. They don't care. So and then also, of course, he was about promoting abstinence education mm. and was against same sex marriage because, you know, he loves his wife so much and respects the sanctity of marriage so yeah. much yeah. that we got to protect same sex marriage right, against same sex marriage. Um, all right. Meanwhile, as a U.S. senator, he worked to rebuild his own role in state politics from afar by applying all of his knowledge about state politics and hardball tactics to build the party in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. So he's doing this from D.C. So Vitter recruited GOP legislative candidates, building a bench, Mm. right? He helped raise the money and craft messages and threaten conservative Democrats 
with um, potential opponents unless they flipped, which many of them did. Because in, in Louisiana, Democrats are, they're not like Broward County liberal right, Democrats. Right. They are conservative Democrats, right? And um, the payoff came when Republicans took over majorities in both houses of the Louisiana legislature. I mean, that's, but, you know, that's what happens when you actually put the work in yeah. to make sure those people are elected, right? Okay, so here we go. Uh, during the middle of his first term, as a U.S. Senator in early July 2007, Bitter's phone number was included in a Uh-oh. published list of phone <gasps> records of Pamela Martin and Associates, a company owned and run by Deborah Jean Palfrey. I don't have her picture to show you. Uh. <laughs> also known as the D.C. Madam. Yes. She was convicted yes. by the U.S. Yes. government for running a prostitution, you know, sex worker, prostitution service, like right. escort service. That's escort. what she called it. Right. So after and he's on the list. I he's love on the it. list. I yes. love it. How's he going to backpedal out of this Girl, one? please. This is his MO. Like, I mean, of, you know, he's been accused of this already. How are you not thinking this is exactly yeah. what's going to happen yeah. already? So after she was charged, Deborah Palfrey turned over a list of nearly 10,000 phone records spanning wow. four years to ABC News. She had set up a, uh, um, an interview with them, like one of these long you know, sit down interviews. Wow. So she gave them all of this information. So she kept a call lock. She kept all these records. Girl, I love it. Girl. Good. Good. So Palfrey said she didn't know the names of her clients. She only had their telephone numbers, which is probably to protect her too, right? Like she doesn't mm-hmm. want to keep a black book. Right. But it never helps Did he them. have a code name? No, they did. <sighs> not that I know of. God. I <sighs> love that. <laughs> Louisiana Gator, that's what he'd be called. Okay, according to ABC News, the list of numbers included White House officials, lobbyists, and Pentagon and FBI and IRS employees, as well as prominent lawyers. But she want she gave this to them because she wanted them to release the names. Okay. Oh, oh the madam did? Yes. So she got busted and now she's trying to finagle some sort of deal or why no. does she want their names out? Because she doesn't think it's fair. Oh, that she's going that down she's for the this. Only one. That's right. right. Yeah. So no. she's like, all right, well, I can't figure out who they are, but you all are reporters and you know how you can yes. get in there and figure out who. And so they figured out a lot of them, but they didn't release any names because they were, let's see, they were the accused. She accused the network of bowing to government pressure by withholding them, which is, it might be true. But would it be libel? I mean, maybe, but look, well, so, so in the end, the network only revealed a few of the most prominent officials on Palfrey's client list, including Republican Senator David Vitter, Deputy Secretary of State Randall Tobias, um, who resigned after this happened, the details came out, and an advisor for the Pentagon, Harlan Ullman. So they only revealed a few of the names. Okay. Um, I think also, just like with the, our first episode um, a lot of these guys got lawyers yeah. who then contacted ABC and right. was like, if and you release our name, we're going to sue the shit out right, of you. Right. I think the same thing happened here. Um, okay. So the following day, Vitter issued a, st- a written statement in which he took responsibility for his sin and asked mm. for forgiveness, um, which is the great Catholic way. Like, yeah. listen, I'm Catholic. I get it. But, you know, praying for forgiveness and getting the absolution from a priest or whatever is not right. going like... Go say four Hail Marys, yeah. a glory be. Now you're going to heaven, girl. Now you're set. You're good. Yeah. So um, Bypass that purgatory. Yeah, which is so perfect for somebody like <laughs> yeah. this, right? Yeah. Um, on July 16, 2007, after a week of self-imposed seclusion, Vitter emerged and called a news conference. This news conference is fucking wild. It's <sighs> fucking wild. Go, I'm telling you, go to YouTube and watch it. Ah, so it's the normal wait. stuff where he gets up and he, he asks the public for their forgiveness and then he starts talking about, but I still have work to do. 
and I'm going back to DC. I'm getting on a plane after I leave this press conference. I'm getting on a plane back to DC. And he start listing all these bills that he's going to work on for like how that it's going to help New Orleans. Like it's bizarre. It's bizarre. So and he's, then, that's how he's deflecting. He's yes. like, a bill for this. Yeah. A bill it's for like, that. It's like, yeah, I was on this escort list, but I got so much work to do. I'm going to go do all these things to help you. And then his wife is standing there, right? She's tall and she's gorgeous. I mean, like, beautiful lady. And then she goes, she gets, and they're all, like, trying to ask him questions when he steps right. away from the podium. Then she steps up to the podium. Oh, she, I forgive him, or? Yes. Oh. It was so weird. And in a very, in that weird way of, like, if you have religion, you can kind of like a blanket justify everything and right. things that happen he was um, tempted yes he's fought through it was, it. like i forgive him he's my best friend we worked through this a few years ago which makes me think that the one right. before was real right when he kept saying it wasn't um and we'll we're working on our marriage and he's my best friend and i love him and like peace right like that's it and they walk out no questions that's it so i mean, I mean the thing that's hard for me is um if someone wants to see a sex worker, you know, I feel like that's that's your business and that's the business of your marriage. Right. Um, however, because he's this like staunch, right. you know, uh, perform like he's out there like uh, lambasting anyone that is going to do anything that is against whatever the family value right. core that he is establishing. And that's the hypocrisy. Like, that's the part that's bad. Like, do your own thing in your marriage. And he could have said, you know, for our marriage, this is what we do or whatever it is. I mean, he is from an, an area that maybe that wouldn't fly. Right. But, you know, then keep your mouth shut. Like, who are you to be on your soapbox? Right. Pointing fingers. You know, there was, um, uh, actually, it was a priest at, at my old church. Oh, really? And he used to say... Before you point your finger, when you point your finger at someone, there's three fingers pointing back <laughs> right, at you. Right, right. And, all, and I always think about that because it's true. Like every, it's real easy to sit and judge people, but you know, we're all guilty of stuff too. Right. So like, don't go up there trying to be holier than thou. Right. And, and then you're going to come off and, and start deflecting it. And meanwhile, yeah. One, well, part of her press conference, what she said too was, you know, if this was any other marriage, we would be dealing with this behind closed doors and it wouldn't be everybody's business. But because he, he is who he is now with all these cameras here and, you know, but honey, Oh, she started talking. Oh, God, this was the best part. She said um, that the cameras are outside their house and they're outside our church. He we go to church and, this and it's affecting me. She's like, she's like, I could deal with it, but it's affecting my children. And I was like, honey, you better start talking to your husband about his bullshit. If yes. you want, if you're upset, your children are being yes. affected. Who the fuck? And you chose a life of public yeah. service. By the this way, this is part of and it. And you could leave him and never yeah. deal with this bullshit ever again. It's true. Okay. So while the Louisiana State Party um, offered support, national Republicans also offered forgiveness. Oh, so the they're Lu so quick to forgive everybody. <laughs> right, but they also... But certain people they won't forgive. Right. Well, it depends on what we're talking about. Yes. So the weekly magazine, The Nation, predicted that the Republican Party would be in a forgiving mood because if he were to resign, Governor of Louisiana, Kathleen Blanco, a Democrat, would likely appoint a Democrat to take Vitter's place until a special election could be held, thus increasing the Democratic control over the U.S. Senate. And God knows we can't have that. Yeah, but, but whenever the shoe is on the other foot, they would be outraged if oh, it was yeah. a Dem. And... I hate to say, but a lot of the times the Democrat will resign. Right. But the Republican never will. Right. But they're going to yell and, and scream for resignation. It drives me nuts. I know. The hypocrisy, the, the, for, the, for the one 
party who's all about family values. They are so full of it. I know. All of the time. I know. Sorry, Republican. <laughs> it may not be all of you. Yeah. So, um, okay. So that was it. He didn't resign. He went back to D.C. He kept working. And then Vitter was reelected to the U.S. Senate three years later for another six-year term. <laughs> all, all of these Teflon dons. <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, oh, I my God. It. I know. Well, listen. He's going to get his. Let's see what's going to happen oh, next. there's so, more. There's yes, more. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. So, okay. Wait. Okay, so now here he is in the middle of his um, second term. So, okay. you know, he gets six years. Um, and he decides he's going to run for governor again. Oh. It's crazy. It's crazy. I know. Yeah, it's every week. Mm-hmm. Every week. It's, it, there is some psychology here. Yeah. Uh, at play. Yeah. There's a lack of humility. And again, for someone with all these Christian values, yes, there is the biggest lack of humility. But there's almost this thing, too, where it's like the public's not going to remember. Right. I remember well, even when this happened, because he was a loudmouth during the Obama administration. He was on all of the cable news stations. Mm. He was lambasting it, uh, him, his administration, everything he wanted all the time. Like he was a very familiar face. So when this happened, I was like, that guy was on the list. And so when he started running for governor, I'm like, what the hell? But, but he's right. Guy? People do have a short memory. Yes. People have they short do. memories. And, and they don't always, pay attention. And again, it's always like, is this is so OK? So we had an affair. He's on this escort list. Da, 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 da. Is that worse than who's standing next to him? Right. Like, well, let's see, well, who can I choose? Can't What's this we, guy going to do? What woman going to do? Bet better people and, and build the bench with better people to begin with. <laughs> like, Please. That we're left with, like, that we have, like, this is, these are our options. I well, <laughs> we, you don't have a quote you can pull out about poli- poli- people who run for office. I know you got a quote in there somewhere. Shakespeare didn't say anything uh, about politicians. Oh, God, he said so much about uh, We're going to start tagging some of those on our Instagram. That'd be funny. (laughs) Okay, so once again, David Vitter is going to run for governor of Louisiana. And at this point, it's been eight years since his name was on the list because that was in the middle of his first term. People forgot. Yeah, eight years later. Um, And it was a tough race. And finally, Vitter had an opponent who was willing to talk about these sex worker relationships over and over and over again. And his um, opponent was Democrat John Bell Edwards, who was the minority leader in Louisiana House of Representatives. So um, this guy would run ads and it was like, boom, 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 right. boom, like constantly bringing it up. Because before he would be like, it's no big deal. What's the big deal? Or they would leak it a little bit right. and he would deny it and it would go away. This guy was like, no, we're not. We're that's his Achilles going. heel. We're going to hit that thing over and over and over again. And that is what they did. And it worked so and the two the republicans that vitter was running against didn't like him remember he wasn't popular at home right right? that's right and so the two people who were running against him usually they say oh you know they when they end their campaign they say we're going to put our support behind vitter or whatever no they never gave him the support so that didn't help him either right um and on november 21st 2015 vitter lost the race to edwards 56 percent to 44 percent and um, just for the record, Edwards is one of these conservative Democrats, and he's the one who last year in the last legislative session in Louisiana signed a full ban on abortion as a Democrat. Just saying. Uh, so not that great uh, a Democrat no. for me. For right. me. Um, I, it's a conservative. It's, you know, these southern states, it's very difficult yeah. for me to, to deal with. I'm, I don't get it. But. Okay, so after his loss, Vitter announced he would not seek re-election for his U.S. Senate seat. So he's oh. not going to run again in, oh. in there. So let's talk about what happened after this. So let's start with the D.C. madam. The D.C. madam, Deborah Jean Palfrey, always maintained that her company's services were legal. 
with, <laughs> with a wink and a nod. Um, but she was convicted of racketeering and money laundering. That's what they got oh. her on. She had been throwing, sending things in the mail. She was living in L.A. and running a business in D.C. So yeah. there was something. Okay. So she was found guilty and faced a prison sentence of five to six years. That was it. But on May 1st, 2008, Deborah was found hanging in a storage shed outside <gasps> oh, her no. mother's. I know. Outside her mother's mobile home in Tarpon Springs, Florida. Oh. And they found suicide notes in her bedroom. Oh. I know. That's terrible. It is. It is. Um, okay. So this is very interesting to me. Um, for David Vitter's wife, Wendy, on January 23rd, 2018, Donald Trump nominated Wendy Vitter to sit um, to the seat on the United States District Court in the Eastern District of Louisiana. Oh. Okay. So on April 11, 2018, um, a hearing on her nomination was held before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And during her hearing before the Judiciary Committee, Vitter was questioned closely by Democrats about her previous anti-abortion and anti-birth control advocacy um, because of her position with the right. Roman Catholic Archdiocese um, and how she promoted these dangers that weren't, you know. And she, she distanced herself from those claims and what she had said and promised to uphold Roe v. Wade as a federal judge. And this is another thing that's, that was very weird that came out of this. Um, she, when they asked her about how she felt about Bra uh, Brown versus the Board of Education, mm. which was the 1954 decision, that Supreme Court decision that's, that said that uh, segregating schools was unconstitutional. Yeah. So basically she was asked if that was a good decision and she was like wishy-washy. And she said things like, well, uh, I don't feel like I should comment on things that are aren't a Supreme that are a Supreme Court decision that's already been made. And then she said, like, oh, I had the benefit of hindsight. So that's my advantage. And they're like, what do you mean? What does that mean? And she was saying, like, well, now I can say that it was a good decision. But was it a good decision then? Like, I don't know. What the hmm. f what is she talking about? Well, she's maybe trying to appease somebody. It's so weird. Yeah. What a weird thing to have a stance on. Yeah. Um, but on May 24th, 2018, her nomination was reported out of committee by an 11-10 vote. So she she got she's now sitting on yeah. a, well, as she's, a federal she's, judge she's in Louisiana. Not, she's not the only one. Yeah, there's she's tons. She's not the only one. Unfortunately, I mean, those seats got yeah. those appointments. I know. It's scary. It's, it's I mean, this is 30 years yeah. that we're going to be dealing with this. I know. Despite who wins the next election. Like, I we know. are living for a long time with those appointments and choices yeah okay so david vitter after his loss david vitter announced he would not seek for re-election for the 2016 uh, u.s senate seat and then um like many other former members of congress he quickly signed on as a lobbyist with one of those washington firms that charge a hard you know those high prices to influence yeah. policymakers so um not long into his tenure at mercury public affairs he found himself in the middle of a big international controversy Oh, God, yeah. this guy. He never, it never it ends. ends. He keeps going. It. Keeps he, going. He finds trouble. So according to the New York Times, Vitter was part of a sophisticated multi-million dollar lobbying and legal campaign to convince the U.S. government to remove sanctions on companies uh, connected to a Russian aluminum oh. oligarch with ties to Vladimir Putin. Dear God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Even out of office, he's like a dick, right? Oh like, my he God. can't take it. He's such a jerk. So, the sanctions um, that were imposed on this company were in response to the Russian meddling in 2016 election. Like, this guy was closely tied to Vladimir P Putin. So, this company was immediately like sanctions wow. against him. Yeah. Um, and and so, that's, records show. It's huge. It's humongous. Yeah. He's a fucking traitor. 
this guy Vitter. Oh Come my on. God. So records show that Vitter met with administration officials and encouraged foreign ambassadors in D.C. to ask federal officials to ease sanctions as a lobbyist. Wow. So that aluminum company hired yes. this. Yeah. Oh. I know. So Democrats and Republicans, of course, did vote against rolling back the sanctions. And um, so it didn't go anywhere. But okay. still, he was in the middle of all yes. of that. So, and, so what happened? And by the way, like it. a year later, his wife was nominated for this federal judgeship oh. by Donald Trump. So oh. don't tell me that shit's not fucking connected, right? Mm. Come on. Pretty yeah, oh, it's prid. Quid pro quo. Yeah. We'll just abbreviate it to, yeah. to prid. <laughs> so uh, um, one other just final note is that um, Mitch McConnell voted for the rollbacks off the sanctions. Of course. And then, of course, he also received $3,750 from Vitter's Louisiana Reform Pack for his mm. re-election campaign. Hmm. I know. Ugh, I know. So that's David Vitter, United States Senator. Disgrace disgraceful <laughs> disgraceful i know hypocrite yeah well oh they all God. are don't you feel like that's all we see that's now all these... we... I, I mean know. i just think because we now that we're doing this and we are covering people just that the level of corruption yep uh, it's everywhere it's never I you know. know hopefully it'll be an ending at some point but um it's just in every crevice at every seat level yeah. it's it's wild to me i know okay so um i'm excited to tell you my story uh, my story takes place in tennessee and just some of the sources and of course these are all listed on our blog uh page um in the show notes uh but i did get a lot from of course the typical uh wikipedia but also from the tennessean uh, new york times uh upi um, some uh, Associated Press articles and WKRN Nashville, among other places. So um, please be sure to check them out. And my story is, let me just make this bigger. Um, I'm going to tell you the story of former Tennessee governor, Ray Blanton. So we both had governors today oh and Southern. Yeah. I know. So... Ray Blanton served as a state house representative for one term beginning in 1965, and then in 1967 won the U.S. House seat and served three terms, and in 1975 he was elected as Tennessee's 44th governor, where he played an instrumental role in tax reform for the state and in building partnerships with foreign investors, but... Here comes. When suspicions surrounding Blanton's questionable actions started to bubble to the surface, Tennessee didn't know what the muck hit them. Oh my gosh. Here we go. go. All right. So, our story again takes place in Tennessee, and our politician, Blanton, hails from a really small rural area uh, from Adamsville, um, which is uh, famously. Well, not famously, but one of their sort of claims to fame is something called the Slug Burger. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And it's a burger. It's the meat of the burger mixed with soy grits. And then they deep fry it. And it's sort of in that area. And that little town happens to have that as their... um, It sounds disgusting. It doesn't sound that great. No. But from all accounts, Blanton came from humble beginnings. He worked as a teacher for a couple of years before returning to the family business and then he moved into politics. So what did Ray Ray do? <laughs> in 1981, uh, Blanton is brought up on charges of mail fraud, extortion, and conspiracy. 
So before I go into the details of his alleged crimes, I want to give you a bit of background on Blanton. So I'm going to show you this picture um, of his early days um, in politics. So there he is. He's a, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a handsome guy. Yeah. Um, he's got this like little curl to the top of his head. Mm -hmm. Nice black and white skinny tie. <laughs> um, but that's an early picture. And... Prior to winning his first state house seat, uh, Blanton was a bit of a rough and tumble sort. So back in Adamsville in that town, um, he got in a few dust ups at bars. He was even accidentally shot at. You know, he Whoa. wasn't it, the, he wasn't the intended target, but he's uh, in sort of these rough kind of bars and the bullet uh, kind of grazes his neck. Whoa. So he's been, you know, that's the kind of sort of upbringing and some people later on say that this sort of carousing um, kind of shows a bit of of his character in a way. But a lot of times young people do things and are hanging out yeah. places that may not be the best. And later, it doesn't mean that for the rest of their life, they're horrible. But, you know, for this guy, mm -hmm. it may have been a telling sign. Okay. So there's not much about his time as a state house rep. But one thing that I found interesting is that he didn't do a lot of work. Um, hmm. as a state house rep he was on two committees and um i found two articles that mentioned that he would sit in the back with sunglasses on and like his feet propped up just like hanging out what you know which to me it feels like sort of like just an entitled kind of like uh, i'm here but i don't care sort yeah. of attitude which i thought was a little bit weird yeah but then, you know, maybe he's a freshman rep. Maybe he's like, let me get a feel of what's going on. And this is his way of doing it. But right. I don't know. I just I just imagine, you know, it's like the kid in the back of the classroom, you know, that's just like, meh, whatever. And he's throwing right. the sunglasses right. on. But I don't know. So um, it was just a little bit annoying to hear that that's what this representative is doing. Mm -hmm. So that's really all I could find about that early time. And as a U.S. Uh, rep, because remember he did that state house, and then he also won as a, a, a U.S. representative seat. He supported job training for Vietnam vets, which you know is yeah, a good thing. Amazing. He worked on industrial development, and he was pro farm. Of course, he is from Tennessee. He is from a rural, rural area, and so he kind of um, leaned into those people. Um, but. And it's a big butt here. <laughs> big butts when it came out. Okay, so, um, but even though he's a Dem, uh, he fought against gun control. He voted against civil rights. He was anti-busing, uh, basically anti-desegregation. Uh, yeah. um, and he wasn't well-loved by environmentalists. And he leaned populist, which, again, he's rooting for the little guy. And he's someone that had that upbringing. So he really spoke to people of, like, I know what it's like to come from sort of nothing and, right. and you know, wanting to support uh, those folks. Um, but um, it turns out really to be, again, he turns out to be like such a hypocrite at the end. So um, maybe he did observe things in his role as a state and house rep, and then he became governor. And once he became governor, it's like that power of that seat sort mm. of went to his head. You know, right. that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, and I want to highlight some of his shadiness, um, as governor. So some things, uh, he took a $20,000 pay raise from, um, you know, in his role as governor when the state was facing like, uh, tough financial times. Okay. So instead of 
you know, maybe not giving himself that raise that year, he still takes the raise, which to me shows like he's not really looking out for the best interest of the state. He's looking out for himself. Right. Um, he was paying $200 a day for hotels when meeting with uh, potential foreign businesses. So remember earlier I said he was bringing sort of foreign industry into mm-hmm. the area. And so he would have these meetings. Um, but $200 a day for hotel, which back then today is almost $800 a day, which is a lot of money. Right. And he had, um, I think at one time was like, I'm not going to go meet at some flea bag motel. Like I need it to be a certain thing. Oh boy. So he's got that sort of attitude. He took friends on a Learjet, um, to, um, on trips and that Learjet supposedly like when he was running, he was going to, he, I believe he said like, we're going to get rid of that jet. We're going to do this and that. And then when he's governor, <laughs> he's flying on the jet. Yeah, baby. So, um, at one point he had to pay the state back $21,000, uh, for limos, bar bills, long oh distance phone gosh. calls, $21,000. Holy cow. And the phone calls were supposedly to a woman. Oh. Uh, and he refused to talk about who that woman was. And meanwhile, he was married with three kids at the time. God damn it. What is with so, these dudes, man? I know. Um, another thing that happened in his time as governor is, so that family business, um, they were a contracting business. And his family's business got a bid for a paving job, which, again, that sort of really shows a conflict of interest. But they got that bid. So yeah, you know, that was good. questionable mm-hmm. um, and a bit unethical. Um, in 1978, the FBI raids, uh, his office for clemency for cash. And this is sort of really the big thing surrounding this guy. Okay. And three of Blanton's aides are arrested, but he refuses to own up to his own role and claims he has nothing to do with this. So clemency for, for cash is basically like, we'll pardon your jail sentence for the right amount of money. Which to me is like, yeah, that is messed up depending yeah. on the, the level of criminal yeah. that Hello. he's ready to throw back out on the street for the right price. Wow. So allegedly, um, he ends up getting in trouble uh, and he doesn't win re-election, right? Okay. Um, he ends up in another run for governor. Like all this stuff is sort of circling him these allegations he runs for the governor's seat again he doesn't win it okay so in his last few days of office Ooh. he's like let me yeah. get my pen ready yeah, bitch. and i'm gonna like pardon yes. and pardon and pardon and pardon yes. and pardon and get that money get that money two pardons Ooh. he gets out and out of the the 52 23 were murderers <gasps> tina yes. stop it right I swear now to god what the i was fuck? like I was like, this is nuts. And the other thing is... But wait, 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 wait. (laughs) He was... They were... Had already been in his office, the FBI. Correct. About clemency for cash. Correct. And he continued after the... So... So so this is... so, So this investigation goes through and he's not... They can't pin anything on him. So he does it. So it seems like he's doing it again. He's doing it... So, yeah, he's just like, I'm, I'm ready to like get people out. Yeah. One of the people yeah. who was a murderer, he was like a 30-something-year-old. He, um, the, the guy's name was Roger Humphrey. He was serving a 20 to 40-year prison term for killing his wife and her lover. <gasps> and he had shot them. He spent 18 rounds in them. Holy cow. And this guy is, got, you know, um, 
was going to go to jail. And so he, uh, th the governor allowed him, gave him a state job as a, a, a photographer. What? So he could leave prison and take pictures. And a journalist was at some event and was like, oh, wait, that, that's that Roger Humphreys guy. Holy shit. And he's shit. there like snapping pictures. Yes. So had he befriended him? Like, how does that even so he, happen? So, so the Governor Blanton knew Humphreys' dad. Oh, oh, from these bars. Like, so, you go to those. No, 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 oh, oh, no. Oh. In politics. Oh. Yes. So, um, um, the, the, he was serving as a committee chairperson. And so they think that there was something there. No, oh, it's possible. Um, yeah. And, um, so allegedly he's the son of that guy. And when, um, he pardons him, there's this media frenzy surrounding the whole thing. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, this guy's, he's a fine young man. You know, that's what he says How about this he murder. Say that? He says it. So um, both Democrats and Republicans are like this guy is is crazy. And some of the the two words that uh, Dems and Republicans were saying were deplorable and <laughs> sickening as far as his behavior. And it, yeah. and it is. So um, while he was signing some of these pardons, Blanton claimed that it took guts to grant uh, these pardons and clemency. And the Secretary of State Gentry uh, Crowell noted, yeah, well, some people have more guts than brains. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, so like everybody was like pissed off. Yes. So the other thing that he does is he fires this woman, uh, Maria Ragianti, and she was the chairperson of the Board of Pardons and Paroles, and she refused. She's like, I am not releasing these prisoners. Good and for so, you. He fires her and she becomes like sort of a whistleblower in all of this because yes, bitch. she's like, this is messed up. And um, they were paying for their release and she's like, this, there's, this isn't right. And she didn't really want any part of it. Right. Rightly so. So how does Blanton finally go down? So unfortunately and not surprisingly, he gets charged with nothing um, for the clemency for hire um, scheme. But he does end up getting arrested for that mail fraud, conspiracy, and extortion. So apparently, um, it had to do with the liquor licenses. So he sold his friend a liquor license for $23,000. I read other accounts that it wasn't $23,000, that he owed someone like a $40,000 debt and exchanged a license for it. So I, I, um, I don't know if those are two separate things or mm. if it was one thing and two differing financial amounts. But that equals about the 23K is about $71,000 today. So that's a lot of money. Yeah. The other thing that he was doing is with local liquor stores, he was uh, extorting 30% of their profits. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and taking that money from them. Wow. So that's how they end up busting him is for those charges. So the aftermath. So two of his aides that were involved in the clemency for cash right. um, deal – uh, a T. Edward Sisk, that's his former legal counsel, and a Charles F. Taylor, a state trooper, trooper, they pled guilty and they faced and served jail time for their role in that. Wow. Um, Blanton's uncle, Jake Blanton, gets sentenced for five months and 29 days for mail fraud and that bid rigging um, from earlier where he <sighs> ran that company. And nobody's, no one's talking shit about him. Well, no, I mean, no, everybody is, is up in arms and, okay. and no one likes him. Blanton ends up getting sentenced 22 months, um, and that's it, for prison. Um, another one, right, who gets off with hardly any time. 
22 months. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's like this horrible guy. Yeah. So um, he spends years trying to clear his name. And eventually, actually, he gets nine of those charges overturned. Wow. Yeah. But he did serve his time. So um, some points of interest. Mm -hmm. Um, He did a ton of kooky stuff in his time as governor. He was just like this egomaniac guy. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of different things. And I just pulled a couple that I just thought were interesting. So one, he challenged a country singer in a cow milking contest. And he won. Um, Of course he he did. And this I found very interesting. (laughs) He would only answer questions from the media about positive things. So if they wanted, sounds very familiar. Yeah. Sounds very familiar with a certain <clears throat> yeah. person in a high office in our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he uh, he even allegedly, and, and I couldn't find much confirmation, but I did see an article that said that he even bought some radio stations so that they would only put out good news. <laughs> wow. Yes. You're, so you're pretty bad when that's happening. Right. But it, it sounds like another megalomaniac, right? Yes. Like, I refuse to answer questions unless it's only about the good things that I've done. And he, you know, attacking the press and things like that. Like, that's right. what he was known for. Right. Um, and then, in fact, back in 2016, there was a journalist, a gay Nell doll. She drew a comparison to Blayton's disregard for the press, his brazen acts of corruption and ridiculing of anyone who opposed him to then presidential uh, nominee, Donald Trump. And she noted that she hoped there could be bipartisan support to stop him, as there was in the case of Blanton, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, So essentially, um, Democrats and Republicans like form this coup to oust Blanton. Good. So Blanton. I am waiting for this (laughs) to happen. I keep thinking this might happen, but my God, wouldn't that be a fantastic fucking day? So now she's writing this in 2016, and she basically. Blanton, remember I said, is like there with the pen trying to pardon and pardon and pardon and pardon as many people as he can. And he's got a few days left in office. So they stage this coup and they vote to have him ousted a few days early so that he cannot continue these pardons and to swear in the newly elected Lamar Alexander into the seat. And so they call a press, they call in the press and the press, they don't know why they're there. And (laughs) then there's this impromptu, we're going to swear in and the ceremony happen yes and they they come together to make this thing happen which i thought was pretty um incredible yes and um when he's asked about uh being ousted early uh he says he was saddened for the state of tennessee that this clandestine action had taken place oh please bitch don't let the door hit you in the ass yes so i have a picture of um the lamar alexander um getting sworn in in the secret meeting so love it it's not you know super secret but secret yeah Yeah. people didn't know and i thought how awesome that they did that yes that they all work together um and then the and the press is like what do we hear and then they're like oh whoa this thing is happening and that's been a cool cool moment to be a part of and then his attorney noted um blanton's attorney after the secret swearing in he talked to blanton and he said quote he didn't seem to be perturbed the man must have nerves of steel Oh, of like, course he does. He's got balls of steel, too. Oh, my, my gosh. gosh. Forget it's, it. It's wild. So 
Though the newly elected Alexander couldn't reverse those 52 pardons, mm. he did order a stop on all the other pardons that were not yet processed. Okay. So there were some in the middle of being processed, and he was like, boom, put the brakes on. So he was able to do that Good. and keep people Good. in prison who should be in prison. Good. I mean, when I think that 23 murderers got out, Jesus. and his excuse or his reason for signing all of those pardons, he put it on that the prisons were overfilled and that he was doing a service because of the overpopulation of prisons and I'm doing something but that's, to, We don't start with murderers, right, dude. Right, Low-level so, drug offenses, can't get anybody right, like that out. Right, Um So some other fun facts in this case, his FBI code name was Tenpar. I'm not sure, but Tenpar. Oh, probably Tennessee Partner or something. Oh, it's yeah. something, but Tenpar. <laughs> It's not as good as the Soprano code names. Do you remember that? It was um, uh, Papa Bing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carmela was Mrs. Bing, Princess Bing. And then AJ, my favorite, was Baby Bing. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, but oh, I love it. It's, so it's such a, that's one of my favorite episodes. Oh, where they're trying to put the lamp. The uh, they're putting the lamp yes, in the basement. Yes, yeah. They need to paint it to look exactly yes, like the other one. I yes, remember, yes, yeah. yes. So, um the other fun little thing that came out of this is there was a Nashville weatherman, um, a Brian Christie. He wrote and sang a song called, quote, Pardon Me, Ray, which was sung to the melody of Chattanooga Choo Choo. And of course, it becomes like this instant hit, like oh every, it's playing everywhere. And it's so fun. I have, I, so this is the, the, I have a picture of the. And I'll post it on I our Instagram. you were going to play it for me. Well, I'm going to read some of the lyrics because okay. it's hilarious. Like okay. this guy wrote it and like everybody ate it up. So um, he says, pardon me, Ray. Are you the cat that signs the pardons? <laughs> Since you're an old friend of mine, just put your name on the line. Double murder and rape. That's all the jury put me in for. And I'm sure you'll agree. They took advantage of me. And then it goes on about oh, like just all the corruption God. this guy did. And it's funny. So um, I also have a link to the youtube video so you can play it and it's all the pictures of the news articles playing while the song is playing oh in the background. my so god that's funny yeah um but then he um another song associated with this guy is that when he was running for governor he had a song that was called uh we need another ray of blanton sunshine oh my god can you imagine that <laughs> so stupid this guy, that's what happens you get to you know oh you're in tennessee god. where you got nashville oh. Memphis. So. Is Memphis in Tennessee? Yeah. What? <laughs> Memphis? <laughs> Is that Tennessee? Google it. Oh, Google it. <laughs> We're in trouble. Listen, these people, they think they're all songwriters. Oh, yeah. The freaking the weatherman's like, I'm going to write a song. Bitch, right. just Nashville. show me what the temperature Nashville. is today. Yeah, Nashville. Yes, yeah, yes. but Memphis. Memphis, right, but- Tennessee. Memphis. Right. <laughs> there's two. Right. Two music cities. So um, <laughs> after his release. Oh, no. Okay. So prior. Um, uh, in 1985, another thing I thought was really great was the woman he fired, that Maria uh, oh, yeah. Ragianti. There was a movie made about her <gasps> and this experience, oh, and it starred Sissy Spacek. What? I know. It's called Marie. I love her. I know. So I was like, I need to watch this, and I'm sure... Um, I didn't check, but I bet you it's streaming somewhere somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely check that out. And then after his release, Blanton worked as a radio commentator for BIT, and then, of course, in 1988... He's running again. He ran again for a state house seat. <laughs> they never learn. They never learn. No. He lost. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say the voter. You mean him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they lost. 
and he ends up finishing out his career as a car salesman for Ford. What that makes like, sense, that's right? Where he, that's right. probably where he should have been the whole time. Probably. Um, and then he ends up dying of liver disease in 1996. Wow. Yep. And that's the story of the Tennessee <sighs> governor, Ray Blanton. Wow. Wild, right? Yes. I mean. Governor's huge, huge office. How does somebody get all the way up there? How does that right. happen? I mean, but, he, you know, again, he started in those lower level seats and yeah. then he runs. But I just was so shocked that he was was releasing murderers and really the guy that he released that Humphrey and Humphrey when he was let out of, of out of jail um he was like is this real something like that and then he walked into the sunset and no one's ever heard of him since <gasps> he's gone shut up no living his life somewhere holy cow living his life somewhere That's after really what scary he's done. yes speaking of that have you ever seen don't fuck with cats on Netflix? Oh, no. Okay. You have to I, watch I, but it. But it's been coming up as Please. like recommended for I'm me. I'm begging you to watch it so we can talk about it next week. Okay. I'll Please. watch it. I'll it's watch three it episodes. I think it's oh. like an hour and a half or maybe oh, an hour each episode. Week. I'll watch it this week. You are going to, you're going to die. It is so good. It is oh, so good. Talk about going in the sunset. Like this guy, it, I can't even tell you. It's so good. And I'm so glad that it was recommended to me because it's, it you know, we love serial killer stuff yes. anyway. And this guy's just, the guy oh. who's on there is like, he's just insane. And the people. Wait, but is he hurting cats? Yes. <gasps> but it gets worse. Oh, no. And then the people who are looking for him are these like internet nerdy sleuths. And oh, they're I love so, this. They're amazing. And, and they say, okay, so he's here. So let me go look this up. And I'm like, how do they even know how to do any of this? It's un believable it's I such a great that. it's like a documentary i guess yeah it's really really good you gotta watch it i'm watching it this week please yes. i want to talk about it next week with you because i think that you'll love it oh i can't wait yeah it's like that um there's a podcast called jensen and holes that comes yes. out of that exactly yes. right yeah. who we love karen yes. and georgia <laughs> um and they that they sort of put that ask out they do a case every mm -hmm. um week and then they put the ask out and they have their rules like don't reach out to family don't do this like send it to the proper channels but there are people and i and they did an update that you know yes um, they found somebody they found somebody it's crazy yeah but i love the idea of of using yes using the internet for good i know, you know? well it, but it so. does remind me of the case with the dateline um to catch a predator yes there's part of it like that but these guys are just they're not trying to lure somebody in. It's right. like what you're saying. They're trying to find facts. They're trying to find yeah. information, but they're using their knowledge of like internet yes. to do all of that. It's, it's wild. It is. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so good though. Oh my God. I didn't even know. I, I, I can't wait. Yeah. I love it. I can't wait for you to see it. So another episode in the wind. Yes. And next week is episode 10. Oh I'm very excited for episode 10. Me too. I feel like it's a landmark <laughs> definitely it feels like it's been 100 though doesn't it yes. it seems like we've been doing it for a long long yes. time but hopefully so oh girl my my daughter said to me how many episodes are you gonna make until you're done <laughs> i was like a million and she was like what and I, was like, I don't have time for this get out of the house so i can record this freaking podcast get out oh my goodness i know a million would be nice <laughs> yes we're gonna do it we're gonna do it I know. I doubt we'll run out of stories. That's for sure. Well, that's the thing. So I was saying this to, um, we have the amazing, our friend Alfredo, who is um, like our, not like our buffer, but he's our go-to <laughs> person of, we kind of just give him a heads up of what we're doing. So we're not overlapping on a story. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, for America, it's terrible 
Uh, but for our podcast, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Selfishly, we'll take it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but there's so much in history that even moving forward, if there was never anything, there's still so much to go back and look at and think about. And I just think it's important for people to hear about these stories so that they understand how important elections are. I mean, this, honestly, we could probably get a grant about voter education for this podcast. Right. Do it's you know true. what I mean? Like, I we know. really could. <laughs> we should try to do that. Yes. Tune in next week. We will see you then. And uh, yeah, let's do it. Yep. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty. Thank you.